1: I did not have a cinnamon roll before recording this. I know. But.
0: Yeah. I always. Don- I did have donuts. <laughs> I did have donuts. Oh, you trickster. Yeah. I
1: also had, I'm going to say it, top three donuts in my entire life. What? The pumpkin spice donut.
0: Did you text Jen?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We talked about it. She also said she could eat a hundred of them. Oh, it so had, she agreed. Oh, yeah. I wow. totally agree. It's a yeast donut, so it's okay. fluffy. It's not uh-huh. cake. I don't, I don't really love cake donuts, but I will still suffice. Pumpkin spice buttercream on top. I'm also not like a huge like pumpkin spice, all the things, but no. I do like some pumpkin things. Like yeah, I, I made don't, some pumpkin but... pie mini pies because we realized don't, we so don't know a pie tip. They're adorable. Um we I also like good pumpkin beer. I like a good pumpkin beer. Yeah. But I don't like that's about as far as I go. Sure, sure, sure. So anyway, I got this pumpkin spice donut. Wow. wow wow just like the perfect amount of sweetness but then like some spice and then the buttercream was just really flavorful they put pumpkin seeds in the buttercream i do like that it was it was delicious i'm telling you guys if you can get to sidecar donuts in del mar (laughs) (laughs) grab one of these regional regional (laughs) yeah uh, maybe get you a a a pumpkin spice donut at your local donutery, and you know enjoy it.
0: But local, not. But you, local, d- go don't, local. Don't go to Dunkin'. Don't go, go Dunkin'. America to... does
1: not run on Dunkin'. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's my Support anti. local. That's my anti campaign. Um, yeah, find a local I'm so
0: happy for you.
1: I do have to get some cinnamon rolls going. That's tomorrow, just so you know. I wanted you to be aware, and yeah. also the people who listen to this who keep up. Like I just, I last week, as of this episode going up, I have not posted on Instagram in a long time, and I was like, I've been baking a lot of stuff. I know there's some people who enjoy my baking stuff. I'll just share a couple things. Photos.
0: a lot DMs of people a lot up. of dms, DMs and this doesn't up.
1: happen to me i don't get like a ton of D- people love the baking stuff but
0: what if you just like honestly pivoted to like a bake like a bin- like a babish youtube channel like what if you did
1: i know i just don't have i don't i don't want to spend the time to do it i know like
0: but if, it would just be a funny turn in if your career. i could do
1: it with like a full-time camera person Can I stretch out here you're gonna hit that cord and it's gonna bum me out
0: it's a cord it's not gonna affect anything
1: um If I could, like, if you were like, oh, I love filming things, like I would love to come in and just film it and then edit the video together. Yeah, sure, I would do it. But I, the problem is, I have to film it, then I got to edit it, and I got to do it. So I think we just need to hire someone to come in and do it. Obviously, for my. (laughs)
0: But then they have to live with us because it's COVID. I
1: really... I do think there there would be something really fun about doing a mediocre baking show. Okay. So it's just every time... So you someday just you'll don't do it. No. Yeah. But yeah. right now, I'm just... Well, that's the problem, though, is I don't want to like hone my skills too far. It's true. It so so <laughs> like, good. Yeah, it looks good. And man. you're
0: like, Damn. Oh, dang it. You, you missed your window. Before.
1: Yeah. Because my first... Remember the first Cinnamon roll batch I made? So bad. Hideous. It's it up was on Instagram gross. and my highlights. They're not a highlight. It's ugly. <laughs> but now... Low light. Now I make... Pretty pretty beautiful cinnamon rolls. They are gorgeous. To myself. But I've also made like 30 batches by now.
0: But that's the thing, right? If you start the channel, yeah. you're going to be baking more and then it's going to go from. So maybe the channel is mediocre to non-mediocre. I don't know. We'll I'll just always try
1: to be mediocre. Oh, also, fun fact, no, I realized fake. when I was posting the story, I've gone through 75 pounds of fat flour since the pandemic You started.
0: almost said fat, and I think <laughs> that's maybe something you should it's think about.
1: 75 pounds of flour.
0: That's a lot of pounds. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot. For, for one man.
1: You are gluten-free.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Important to note, so, I am gluten-free, uh, so who well,
1: how ate how much that? do you think you've had of that? A couple, you've had a couple bites.
0: Yeah, I would say uh, six ounces.
1: Well, that's half a pound. You think you've had that much? I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know how much translates yeah. into a baked version of Well, flour. that
1: was just a stunning realization for me.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm doing all
1: right. Okay, I anyway. Mean, you look
0: great. Thank you. You're healthy. So much.
1: It's the cinnamon rolls, really. <laughs> they keep my cheeks puffy and beautiful. <laughs> you've got to love the three beautiful. minute preamble of baked goods yeah, here on the sure, show. Sure, sure, sure.
0: Let's get into the episode, Jason. All
1: right. What are we talking Let's about? Let's get back on task. I don't know, but the people know because they clicked into this, although now they are like, are you ever going to get to this yeah, thing? What's, yeah.
0: Yeah. This episode is, I think, a core question and topic that every entrepreneur can relate to or anyone trying to create their own business or do their own thing, and it's when do you push through and, and when like, you pull back. follow through on something or like go kind of harder, and when do you pull back and say- you know what, I, I'm working too hard. It's not the most important thing and I need to like have some balance. When do you push through? When do you pull back?
1: There's a big preface to this episode, okay. which is we are not going to be those people who try and pretend like we have the answer for you. Yeah,
0: we usually we like to write out notes and we like to say like, okay, what what is the helpful information that we're trying to yep. deliver here so that you feel like this was valuable time for you to spend listening to us in your ear balls. However, we're just going to tell you up front this is just a conversation episode. This is like, we're not sure what the answer is, but we're going to talk about how we think about it. And I hope that even though there's not some definitive answer, that it's still really helpful for you so that you at least have some questions to ask yourself so you can figure out where that line is for you.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of nuance to every person's situation, but then also every person's situation within their own situations. Because for us, you know, uh, just a quick example, two months ago, we were working on two new projects leading up to the launch of our Wandering Gameplay Unlimited program. And we really had to push through a lot more than we normally ever would or have in many years. And it was tough. I mean, it was like, we wanted to get all this stuff done and there there were only so few things that we could move around and we did have to push through. And again, self-imposed deadlines. Do we actually have to do that stuff? Probably not. But, you know, we wanted to get these things done. And I think a lot of people listening to this are probably going to, hopefully see themselves in a lot of these situations and go, Oh, that was me or that's me now, or that's something I think I could run into in the future. And maybe that's a way I can think about this moving forward.
0: Yeah. And I think my ultimate goal too, is to maybe give people some different ways to think about things so that whatever they do choose, they don't feel guilty about it. Yeah. So if they are like, you know what, I'm in a season where I do need to just go a little bit harder so that I can get some stability under my feet then they don't have to feel guilty about that. And then also if, you know, it's someone who is like, I'm just so tired and I just want more balance and I don't want them to feel guilty about, you know, not keeping up with their thing that they've done forever or whatever that thing
1: is. So the, I guess maybe a good place to start with this is, is in the beginning,
0: when you're just getting started, (laughs) there was a, there was a
1: time (laughs) in the beginning (laughs) Consistency is so important when you're getting started right? and I, I cannot harp on this enough that if you are just in the beginning stages of your business, maybe you're in the first month, six months or year, and you're not seeing much traction or momentum, real talk, you might not be able to take the breaks and pull back. Now, I don't mean...
0: Sacrifice your mental health. You have to post mean, every right. single
1: day on Instagram. You have to create all the things you have to... That's not what I mean. What I mean is whatever consistent schedule and whatever content plan that you have, you have to stick to it. Because yeah. if you're not building that repetition and you're not building that trust. trust with people and that authority and people seeing you as someone that will show up for them and be dependable you're going to look like everyone else that they've always run into. Who's like for three weeks does a great job and then drops off the map because you overdid it. Absolutely. And so I think consistency is so important early on. And so the big caveat there is how can you set yourself up for consistency success?
0: Absolutely. So for me, it's about when you're starting out and you know that you're in that phase of your business where consistency is the most important thing. It's about being intentional about the channels, the marketing channels that you choose that you can actually stick with. So I feel like, especially now with how much information there is out there about starting your business, if you're starting a business now, you're going to go do all the Googling, right? And you're going to be like, okay, I got to have my blog posts and I got to have my newsletter and I got to have my podcast and I got to have my social. And I, and pretty soon you see what the effective formula is. And you think that you have to do all those things in order to to do it right. Yep. And you're setting yourself up for failure because you can't be consistent when you're trying to do everything. Yep. So, so our advice to people is always like, okay, choose. I mean, if I had to choose from all those things, I would say newsletter is the most important. Yeah. Well, I would say blog, like articles on your website and newsletter, yep. focus on those two things and being consistent with those two things first, and then layer things on top of that. Why? Because and we'll get into this in a second but the the articles and the trap is going to get traffic coming to your website which will pay dividends for years to come. It is the single greatest investment you can make in your mental health down the road because it will give you the ability to pull back later on, which yep. we'll talk about. And then the newsletter is that is the way that you can build that trust in a way that's consistent because it's not like social where you have to be in front of people every day or every, you know very, a lot more frequently. Um, and it's not like a podcast where there's a big barrier to gear and technical things. And it's just like, write some stuff that's helpful to your target person, show up in their inbox once a week and set the set that as the bar for yourself.
1: Can I do a little hot take? Hot take. I don't know how this is going to come off. So you can feel free to like take me down a notch if it's too much. Sure. But I feel like people choose the wrong examples to follow when they're starting a business. So uh, someone out there will be like Marie Forleo. I want to be like Marie. I want to do all this stuff. And then you start to build a plan of how you can do that. But what you don't understand is that Marie has a team of 10, 20, whatever. She makes tens of millions of dollars per year. She's been doing this for 15 years. So you're comparing your little race that you're about to start to this unbelievable race that Marie can run that you have no chance of running. I'm sorry. That's my hot take. Like you don't have the ability to be a Marie Forleo. And I'm not saying that to belittle your dreams. What I'm saying is you're setting yourself up for failure.
0: Yeah. And it's like, it's not that you don't have the ability to be a Marie Forleo. It's that you it's You are going to have the opportunity to maybe be that in 15 years. And so I know why people do it. And it's because they go, oh, this person has done it for 15 years. They figured it out. So why don't I skip the line and do what they're doing because they figured it out for me? Right. But what you don't realize is they've figured it out for the $20 million a year 20 person team business. Right. They don't have the answer for the one person $100,000 a year business.
1: Which is really this is what's so interesting to me is and I'm not saying that like we are the people to follow. We have figured this out. Like don't follow Marie Forleo. But I think what we have really figured out with how to run calm businesses, which is writing foundational articles, sending a helpful newsletter, actually investing in your customers and talking to them, creating a social content calendar that you can stick with, picking one platform only. We only use Instagram for wandering aimfully. Um, creating content on YouTube or a podcast. And like we were really consistent with that for about a year, year and a half until your mental health stuff and we had to take a break from it. But we were consistent all the way up until that time. So it was enough time to do it, which goes back to my consistency point. That has afforded us to create six-figure businesses. And it's not like we're trying to tell someone... That's all you have to do. All you have to do is write blog posts, send newsletters, show up on YouTube or a podcast or Instagram, and you're going to have a six-figure business because there's a lot of things in there that we can't predict for you. Right. But my point to that is so many people see these examples of these super well-off Marie Forleo types, and I have nothing against Marie. She seems like a great and wonderful person. However, I just think she's a bad example for a lot of people to follow who aren't ever going to create that business. They should be following, and I don't mean just us, but I mean people like us, the people who are in that place, and what are they doing? And they're probably doing a lot less, and they're probably doing a lot more with less.
0: And even, and even that, to your point, like some of the advice that we give is even you have to ask us the questions about what we did when we started, exactly. right? And so that's we're always thinking about that with our coaching sessions, is we're like, I can't tell somebody. That's why we even said at the beginning of this episode, if you're starting your business, you probably can't take a break that right. you want to take. Right. The only reason that we can take some of the breaks that we can with the podcast or with YouTube is because we have these other engines working for us that we planted the seeds for years and years and years ago. Yeah. But I think you're right. like Being very intentional about the people... No, now, I will say, I'm... I'm in interrupting myself <laughs>
1: you
0: go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be- that I know that also part of the reason some people do follow those people is there's something aspirational about following people that are so far you beyond where you are because it lights a fire under you so you're not actually listening to them for practical advice you're listening to them for aspirational advice and as long as you know to. that yeah yeah, I yeah think exactly that's the
1: self-awareness that a lot of people unfortunately don't have and it's what leads them to burning out because we see it even in wandering aimfully like we see some of the people who are like i gotta have a podcast i'm gonna have this and i gotta have that i got to have this and this and this and this and yeah. this and we're like okay. But who's going to do all that? And also you're still working like a full-time job or you're a full-time stay-at-home parent. Like it's not possible for you to do that.
0: I even struggle with this myself because I find that I have the personality type where when I know that I can do better, I find it very hard to not do better. Does that make sense? Or, Or when I know how to do more, I find it hard not to do more. So my concrete example of this is I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's still in the beginning stages, but Jason and I are working on creating this, experimenting with creating a passive income business that we just, we want to be able to take a business from zero to making a couple of thousand dollars a month so that we can teach people how we did that.
1: Not use our existing audience. Not use our existing audience. Not use us, really. Not use us, not
0: use our faces, like really starting from zero to show people like, here's how we did it. And, um... This uh, this past month, our coaching session within Wame, um, which is our unborn coaching program, for those of you that are new around here. Um we do a session every month and it was about identifying your offer and it was like how to structure your offers in your business so that it makes your mon- your business money. And we talked about this idea of a value ladder, which you've probably heard in the marketing world, but it's just the idea of like having a suite of products that increase in price as they increase in value so that you can really build trust with your customer. And any anyway, so I this was like percolating in my brain. And this side business that we're creating, I was going to just have the one offer. And it was going to be this $100 thing. And I was thinking about it this morning. And I'm like, you know what? Actually.
1: We need a $10,000 mastermind. I was like,
0: a a value ladder actually would be really smart. Because at a $100 price point, like you kind of need something to show people that it's worth it. Give people. something below that. Below that. Yeah. And so. And, and then I was like, Caroline, stop. Yeah, I was yeah, like, that yeah. might be the answer. That might be a good strategy, but start with one. Yeah. Start with one. Just because you know that the end goal might end up being this value ladder, let the market or let the experience show that to you because what I can, I know myself well enough to know that what can happen very quickly is it can spiral into creating a lot more work for myself than I need. Yeah. And so I'm sharing that. A, to say that it still happens to us, that I see I see what you're supposed to do, and I'm like, oh, then I have to do that. Right. And it's like, no, 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 just scale it back. Like, start where you are, yep. which is just trying to get something off the ground. And then the second reason I'm sharing it is because I think a big piece of this push-through or pull-back is about knowing your personality. It's about self-awareness. So if you're the type of person who is a people-pleaser, a
1: overachiever,
0: overachiever, someone who in has notoriously been known to like hustle for your worth, um, and really measure your worth through your work. These are all things that I've had to unlearn in my life. That's my personality is geared to that. Then I think that's your default and you need to like try to be more aware of pulling back. And if you're the opposite, if you're someone who maybe procrastinates, um, or self-sabotages or often falls short of something for a, a myriad of reasons, and that's your default, then maybe you need to b- pay a little bit more attention to pushing through and following through and doing it when you don't want to, you know?
1: Yeah. And challenging some assumptions. You know, I think right. we we see with some some of our Wandering Aimfully members where they're about to launch their first course and they're basically saying like, oh, I don't know if someone's going to ch- pay for this. Uh, I need to fill it with like so much extra stuff. Yep. It's like, hey, let this first version be the the smallest best version you can get done but be okay with good enough yeah because what you want is you want to put that out there you want to put it in front of people you want to get them to pay for it and then you want to find out from them is it good enough and here's a perfect example for everyone for this so uh, seven or eight years ago you made this hand lettering for beginners course and i remember it was such a slog to get it done then you finally got it done in a weekend right and I would imagine, I don't remember the exact conversation we had, but you, you probably had all these ideas on how to, like, add more stuff and do all these things. And you didn't do any of that. We launched it. Yep. And then it started to do really well. And it got to this place where it was making $5,000 a month with a $20 course. Yeah. You never added anything to anything. it. And it's this this thing especially in online business where we have all of these preconceived notions of what it will take to make someone happy as a customer or to get them to purchase and what we do is we overfill our plates with all this stuff to do without going let me just start with like just the bare bones thing that that i feel is good enough and let's see what someone says with that. And I
0: think the most important thing to realize is why we do that. It's to cover up an insecurity. It's right. to cover up a fear, a fear that people won't buy, a fear that people will judge us for not delivering on the value that they had in their minds. Right. And so adding stuff and adding more and adding more and doing this and that, it's our way of protecting ourselves from the fear of being rejected or being looked down on or you know not meeting an expectation of someone instead of really working hard on detaching ourselves and our worth from the outcome. I forget what was the question that somebody asked on the coaching call where I was like, it was something about how do you know um, something about how do you know something about a launch? And I was like, my answer was, oh, you actually don't know. You just do the launch right?
1: and you let that and data, you let that data yeah.
0: tell you. And, and it was a – like an unlock for me that I was like, oh my gosh, somewhere along the way I have really done the work to detach myself to to adopt such an experimenter's mindset yep. that when we launch something or when we do something, I'm not attached to Oh, I remember what it was. He was like, how are you choosing that product for the passive income, that offer? How did you choose that offer if it hasn't been validated? Because I said I haven't validated it with an audience because I don't have an audience yet right. for this thing. He's like, oh, well, how how are you going to – how did you choose to launch that if it's not validated? And I was like, oh. I, I'm just not attached to the outcome. Right. So I'll do it. And then if nobody buys it, that'll be my validation. And I'll yeah. say, oh, I'll try something else. Try something different. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you won't, you aren't attached to the outcome? Like you don't care if you don't get sales. And I know that that's not the place that everyone can be in their business. It takes years to get there, but it's just repetition of practicing having that experimenter's mindset and going, nobody knows. Yeah. And so it's going back to what you said about the assumptions and pricing things and, and putting, it's like the more that you can, realize that you're not a bad person if nobody buys your thing, then the more empowered you are to not stuff your, you know, put so much work on your plate to launch this thing with like so much more work than you can even handle and to let the market or let the customers decide if that's enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I do think that there's, uh, I definitely want to talk about this idea of having to push through when you need to make money. Yeah. Because I think we are in a very privileged place where we have two businesses that are both profitable. We make, you know, plenty of money right now. A couple of years ago, we did not. Wandering Aimfully started at $0 per yep. month. And we're very grateful to be at a place where it's now making about $20,000 a month. And we're very transparent with our numbers because now that we want to show off, we want to show people. It took us two years to get there. And right. it took... 30 different experiments to try and fit and consistent content and tweaking the business model and fit you know and it's all these different things and in a year or two from now it's probably gonna be totally different and right maybe it'll go back down to zero dollars like we don't know and there's nothing that you can
0: predict if you could just like knock on wood or maybe do something to not jinx that knocked be on great. my
1: knocked on my bald head
0: <laughs> my noggin.
1: yeah but i i think that the important point that i wanted to get to and, and even bring up and chat about is what do we tell people who are like yeah but like I need to make $1,000 next month, or I need to, you know, what do I do? Because especially if that person is running up against working a full day and feeling tired and feeling exhausted and not wanting to write the next email that they put out or finish that blog post that they haven't written yet or whatever, what do we tell that person in that situation? Yeah. Because we've been there. So we know what that feels like. We just haven't been there in a while.
0: Totally. A couple things. Like I would say, I don't know without knowing what that person's personal situation is and how important that thousand extra dollars actually is. Because I think sometimes there's a person who's in that mindset because they just want the bigger house or they just want the, and they've convinced themselves that they need these things to be happy that they don't need. That's a situation. But let's say that this person really is like, I'm drowning and I need money to pay my bills and I need money to feed my kids and all that. I think an important thing you're obviously in that situation going to have to default more to push through than pull back, right? That's the, the just – you got when when you to do that, it. When
1: you're that's what you have to do.
0: But I would say that if you know that you're in a season of push through, I would write down a list of like the non-negotiables on your mental health so that while you're pushing through, while you're defaulting to that more kind of hustle mode, you – still aren't going so into the red on your energy tank that you're going to actually create a setback, a bigger setback for you in the long run. Does that make sense? Oh, for sure. So like if we were back at at those early days where we were in debt and we were just like, our businesses were just getting off the ground and we just didn't feel momentum in anything, I would say you might have to work longer hours, Caroline. You might have to push through a little bit, but here are the non-negotiables for your mental health. You are going to, Meditate for 10 minutes every day. You are going to absolutely shut down your laptop at 7, maybe it's 7 p.m. Maybe it's not 5 p.m. like it is now. Maybe it's 7. You are, and you're going to take one day off, one full day off a week. And whatever those things are for you, say what those boundaries are so that even when you're pushing through, you are not creating a health circumstance for yourself so that you have to then take a year off from adrenal fatigue or anxiety or some type of, you know, yeah, health I, condition. I was gonna
1: say the non-negotiables was gonna. What came to mind is as oh, I asked married. that question because I do think that there's something really important, and it's it's hard to realize and it's hard to explain to someone. But right now, if putting a thousand dollars on a credit card to make ends meet saves you from having an anxiety attack or getting more depressed or feeling super overwhelmed and then not wanting to, and like shutting down completely six months from now, you is going to wish you put that thousand dollars on a credit card. Yeah. And, and I, we really don't, and we
0: never give that advice. No.
1: And it, it's not something that we, we would want everyone to follow, but we have done that. Like we have been in those places where yeah. we've gone, Oh, you know what? We got to put some money on the credit card. And also next month, we're going to have to carry it another month. Yeah. And and that's an unfortunate place to be, but it's not a forever place to be. Right. And I think that's the thing where as someone who owns their own business or is trying to start their own business or is running their own business, you have to zoom the lens out on money and you have to go, my financial situation right now is not my forever financial situation. It hasn't five years ago, it was different. Five years from now, it's going to be different. A year from now, a year before. it, It all changes so much. And to understand that those little decisions that you make, if they save your mental health, it's so worth it. Because, yeah. you know, it's what we talk about all the time on the show. That Your mental health is your most important thing. Absolutely. And so whatever decision is best for you on pulling back or pushing through, if you can push through and you feel like, yeah, I'm just going to be more tired. Like I'm yeah. not going to affect my mental health. This is not going to send me into a spiral. Then by all means, a couple more hours, that's fine. You'd be in this little like sprint mode that you need to be in. But if it's going to compromise your health then you absolutely need to pull back. And that $1,000 that you need to make, find it some other way. Borrow it from family. We've done that as well. Put it on a credit card. Do whatever you have to do. That is the most important thing you can do.
0: Totally. It's like, you know, we're talking about push through or pull back. Oops, hit the microphone. We're talking about push through or pull back almost as if they're equal, right? And that you have to tug like back between both of them. But for us, if there has to be a winner. It has to be pull back Absolutely. And it, even if it's a 51-49% relationship, and that is because we have experienced the consequences of what happens when you don't prioritize your mental health. And it is – everything falls away and nothing becomes yeah. important anymore. So for us, we've had to learn that lesson the hard way that like if there has to be a winner, it's going to be – pullback and i know that that sounds rich coming from people who have now gotten themselves to a financially stable situation but like jason said we've had to make that choice before where it wasn't financially stable yeah and going back to your credit card thing the two caveats i wanted to add are that is for that is for if that thousand dollars is for your bills and like you need to live that is not, not for shopping that is not for what are some
1: extravagant things you want to put in your credit card
0: uh, Shopping, Just shopping makeup yeah, like th- that's yeah. not for that stuff that's yeah. like you that's know groceries that's yeah exactly like and, your rent or whatever and that's the second caveat i wanted to add to that is you are much more empowered to carry stuff on your credit card as a mental health tool when you have effective financial habits that you know you can pay them off right when you get into a better situation so make sure that if you're doing that you already have you know what your plan is to pay that off when you do have more of a bandwidth to be able to or when things pick up or whatever. Yeah. And then the other thing I wanted to say is I think when you're in that space, one thing that was really empowering for me, this is like going into like a financial territory, but whatever. Yeah. One thing that was empowering for me is adopting this mindset that I think it takes to be an entrepreneur of I can always make more money. Right. And I know that sounds crazy, but it really is a mindset that you have to have where that's the beauty of owning your own business is that there are opportunities everywhere. And it's what we were trying to tell people on the coaching session about identifying your offer is like you have all of these ingredients, all of these skills you have, all of this knowledge base that you have, all of these unique personality traits that you have. You have to start seeing... Everything that you have as valuable, it just matters how you configure those things into an offer that someone can pay you for. Yeah. Um, because every, I believe everyone has something of value to offer, and it just matters how you package it so that someone feels like they're willing to pay money in order to have you solve their problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, I want to come back to mm an enough number. So sure. remember that. But I want to talk about what piggyback on what you were just talking about, which is a question we get a lot, which is a very difficult, and I think. Tough question to answer for people, which is, well, okay, so I have an idea for what I want to do, but I don't have an audience. Uh Uh-huh. I think this is one of the things where you have to push through a little bit is to build an audience. Right. And so for us, what that looks like is at the outset of running your business. So whether your business has been around for a couple of years, six months, 10 days, you need foundational articles. That are what Caroline likes to describe as like the manual for the thing that you teach. Right. So these are the helpful things, these are the someone searching for them on Google,
0: solving a problem, solving
1: a problem and you are writing your version of those things to help someone solve a problem. And that for us looks like six to 10 of those articles, and they need to be optimized for SEO, and you don't have to be an SEO wizard if you wanna read wanderinggainfully.com SEO. That's everything we know and have used to build a website that gets half a million visitors a year, which is an astounding amount of people when you think about find our website somehow. And the reason that they find it is because we've written these helpful articles over the years and two, three, four years ago, us sat down, slogged through writing an article. We pushed through, finished it, hit publish. And every six months or so we check back in on that article and we look, what could be better? Oh, the whole first half of that article is garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to delete that. I'm going to write something better. And and this is something that has paid dividends for us because now, and specific example would be last year was a great example of this. When when your anxiety stuff hit, you were basically down for the count on work stuff, and I was towing the line with everything. I was basically keeping our email newsletter going, and everything else stopped. Instagram, yeah. YouTube, this podcast, everything. But what didn't stop was over a thousand people every day came to our website. Exactly, and they're not all the right people but maybe 10 of them were potential customers. So I was able to experiment with a bunch of different things, a bunch of different stuff on our site where we had traffic funneling in. And the only reason that traffic existed is because years ago, us sat down and wrote those articles. We
0: actually, I think when, when all was said and done in 2019, which was by far the worst year of our collective lives together, we doubled our business. Yeah. And you're like, wait, what? How does that happen? And it's because previous years us did like invested the time in creating those articles so that we had traffic that you could play with in all the ways that you just mentioned. And so that is one of those things, like you were saying, that investing the time now is going to allow – it's going to give you the leverage to be in a place where you can actually choose to push through or pull back because now you have an engine that is running – your business when you're not running.
1: And I know that's not, this is like the most unsexy advice for the time that we live in right now. The fast pace, get everything done, you can post something and people can react to it immediately time that we live in. You know what? All the ephemeral marketing and promotion and things that you're spending all of your time on today, and I'm speaking to those of you who sit on Instagram for nine hours a day, none of that is gonna help you a year from now when you might need to take a break. Because when you're not showing up on that platform, guess what? People are scrolling to the next thing. Right. But when you have content that's out there that people are searching for that's solving problems, that is going to be the stuff that, when you need to take a break, is still fueling your business. Absolutely. So we cannot harp enough on, if you don't have six to 10 foundational articles written that help people publish on your site that needs to be your priority for the next 90 days. Like you just need to crank those out and you need to get them going and they're not gonna see any traffic right now, but you need to make them helpful, come back to them, pass them around to people, get some feedback and just keep tweaking them and making them helpful and believe that they are useful and they will reward you later on.
0: Yeah. So the last thing that I wanted to bring up, this I've was, also
1: got my minute mm enough number.
0: It relates to that noise. It was a, it was a transition because that's you,
1: called marriage. That's called your marriage, marriage part of the episode. Yeah, or we're married. and
0: it, when you said those keywords, it made me think of an important part of this. It for us is we, what, what is like an important trigger for when we need to pull back, of course, like all the mental health, um, awareness and all of that, but setting goals and setting financial boundaries to our goals is what helps us go, Oh, we can pull back now because we set that goal and we hit it. So a good example of this was in our last launch of Wayman Unlimited. This was depending on when you're listening to this, but this was fall of 2020. Yep. Um, we set goals for that launch based on our uh, financial projections of what we wanted the business to make. And we said, okay, our I think our goal was 30, yep. which we hit – you know, by, I think mid launch or whatever. Yep. And so we had these two other tactics planned. It was like, we were going to do an Instagram live and we were going to do a YouTube live. And this was just part of our launch plan to try and, you know, get interested customers and to really help them and then see if they were a good fit for women limited. But by the time, because we set those goals yep. of this is what we want this launch to do. We were tired after the two months leading up to the launch and we hit our goal And we said we can either push through and follow through. We hadn't like told anybody we were going to do these things. We just had the internal plan. But even if we had told people, we probably still would have said, hey, we're not doing that anymore. And it's because we set those enough Yep. Goals yep. that we're able to say, let's pull back. Let's not do the live, the YouTube live. Let's not do the Instagram live because we don't have to. Yep. Because let's let's give ourselves a break. Like we set that goal for a reason. And that is not the advice that most people are going to give you. No, They're going to no. be like, go, go squeeze you every- You got to
1: maximize you. Whoa, gotta,
0: you're going bro voice.
1: You got to get every dollar out of every person you can. Suck those dollars out. Oh, Ew, that's weird. That's such a bro with thing to say, no, though. That no, was going like Luigi's Mansion. Oh, Luigi's three, Mansion. With like a vacuum. Oh, Timely. Should, do you time think we should play it again? Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that's almost exactly what I wanted to bring up with the enough number. And I I do think my part of that was for you listening to this, if you've not done this exercise, you can go to wanderingainfully.com slash working where we talk about establishing these numbers. But your mm number is like the minimum you need to make every month just to pay your bills. You're not saving any money. You're not investing any money. You're not buying any fancy shoes. You're just getting your groceries, your rent, your utilities paid for. Your enough number is your oh, this would be great. This is not like I'm making 30K a month, you know, whatever. It's not even 10K. It's like, oh, my enough number might be 25, or my number might be 2,500. My enough number might be 5,000.
0: Well, it could be 30K. It's whatever, but but yeah, it doesn't have to be.
1: But the point is, is when you come up against tasks that you need to do and you go, oh, I really want to get this done and push through so I can make this extra money, but I've already hit my number this month and I'm not really feeling it. So- I don't need to push through. Yeah, And having those two numbers at all times for you and your specific situation in your life, if you can have those at your disposal, it makes those decisions so much easier to push through and pull back. And I think that when you brought up the kind of the financial situation stuff, to me, I think if we would have done that way earlier on, yeah. we probably would have avoided so many times when we had late nights, long nights, you staying up, through the night to finish an ebook
0: not my finest moment
1: <laughs> and and why you know yeah. and it's because uh, i don't know i think i might make some money from it but that month i mean i know because of what we were doing at that time we'd already made enough money there was no reason for you to push through to do no that no reason and without defining those numbers you don't know. So you're just arbitrarily pushing through f- for nothing. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a really empowering place to be when you know those numbers and you can hit those numbers. Then you can make a lot of decisions.
0: Yeah, it kind of, the visual that I'm getting in my head is like, you know, the your mm number and your enough number. This
1: is stressing me out.
0: It's it's empty. Let's put it on the floor. Okay.
1: It's a can of spindle that was <laughs> wobbling on her abdomen. <laughs>
0: First of all, it's my upper thighs. Oh, okay. I'm but sorry. But I yeah. know well, a it's all just <laughs> kind of blends together. <laughs> well, you are, you are under
1: a blanket, so. Um,
0: the visual I'm getting in my head is that your mm number and your enough number are almost these, like, vertical lines, these boundaries on this, like, you know, scale kind Push of. Push
1: through, pull back scale?
0: Yeah, and so those that's the sweet spot. Like, to me, if this was like an episode of like American Gladiators or something like that, okay. that... Now I'm
1: on board. Okay, yeah,
0: that's the that's the red zone. Okay. The zone between your number and your enough number. Yeah. That's where you're trying to hit. And Where's so, the Gladiator? There's a Gladiator on the right and, and a, gladiator a Gladiator on, on the left, left. Okay. and they have a rope, okay. and it's a tug of war. Okay. Okay, and, yeah. and one Gladiator is... What's his name? Is Gladiator Push-Through. No, what's his name? Gladiator Push-Through. No, what's
1: his name? <laughs> Pusher. Vlad. Vlad. His name's Pusher. pusher.
0: Okay, Gladiator Pusher. Yeah, you don't have to
1: call him Gladiator. Oh, Pusher pusher is on
0: the right, and And then then
1: Laser. Laser is on the left, (laughs) and
0: he's Gladiator Pullback Laser. (laughs) <laughs> and so they're kind of tugging this tug of war rope right <laughs> i was just doing a motion with my hands that jason made me realize was looking very
1: uh interesting uh, interesting
0: uncomfortable Maybe pull
1: back on doing that motion yeah
0: but the idea is like they it's the tug of war yeah. and so the boundaries the red zone is what's helpful so that you know when laser needs to tap yep. in and when pusher needs to tap in yep. in order to get the knot in the tug of war right into that sweet spot. Yep. And that <laughs> is a helpful. visual that is helpful to only me <laughs> and and
1: anyone else who grew up loving American gladiators. That's right. Yeah. So
0: you're welcome. No,
1: I, I do think that's helpful. And I, I really do think that exercise would be really impactful for a lot of people listening to the show who don't know those two numbers and they just arbitrarily choose to continue to do things because they think they should, or because they're chasing after some number that someone has told them is a valuable number to have six figures in revenue a year or whatever. Does that matter for you? It probably doesn't. And and what matters to you is to define that number and then make decisions based on that number. Great. Uh, anything else on our list about this this hodgepodge of an episode here? When to be, a, when to, when to use pusher and when to use laser. laser. <laughs> People who stuck around this far are going to really are those, appreciate. Do they
0: have names like that?
1: Laser for sure. Yeah.
0: So, but I'm. I hold pusher on. Now. Hold on. This is yeah. a really important thing. This yeah. is again age difference. Yeah. They ha- they make up names. For yeah,
1: themselves? yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. okay. Yeah.
0: Laser. That's why I like, like dodgeball,
1: like the movie. Yeah. It, whereas like Blaze, laser. Oh, okay. Blazer. <laughs> that was a joke about the American Gladiators. Got like they all it. had names like that.
0: I want an American gladiator name.
1: Uh your American gladiator name is Forerunner.
0: Ew, no. Yeah, that's your name. No, I want a better one.
1: Okay. Your American Gladiator name is Foreskin. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright guys, this has been <laughs> this has been Foreskin. I'm out signing off.
1: <laughs> you looking a little droopy. You're not looking as toned as uh... a... <laughs> First all right. of all, that's it's it. Getting, it's it's good it. weird. Let's much. finish it off. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode of What Is It All For? Uh, we hope that this gave you some stuff to think about or just some laughs here at the end.
0: What is it all for, for skin? Skin?
1: <laughs> Yeah, I knew it was going. I knew it was going.
0: And now some of you parents out there who had children listening <laughs> are going to have some interesting questions. Mommy, what's a for, <laughs>
1: Uh It's a person on a show <laughs> who's not good at jousting. No. Uh, all right. We've run that into the ground. And that'll be the end of the episode right there. We'll, we'll
0: see you guys next week.